machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. All right, here we go with the rundown. Next seminar is up February 4th through the 6th, April 1st through the 3rd, and then June 3rd through the 5th. All of those, of course, in Wichita Falls. For camps coming up, we do have a coaching development camp covering how to coach the squat on January 9th in Plano at Starting Strength Plano. Then we have a self-sufficient lifter camp on the list January 22nd in Wichita Falls. We have a squat camp on the list January 29th in Oklahoma City at Starting Strength Oklahoma City. And then plenty of squat and deadlift camps on the list January 9th on Long Island with Patrizo and Palladino. Draw your own conclusions from that. Then January 15th for the Mass Holes up in Boston at Starting Strength Boston. Then January 22nd with the new and improved Muscles from Brussels in Belgium. And then in Orlando also on January 22nd at Starting Strength Orlando with yours truly. And then finally, just added to the list, Indianapolis on February 26th. Plenty of Starting Strength gyms with pre-sales going on, so get that lower rate locked in. Katy, Texas outside of Houston, Beaverton, Oregon, Chicago, Illinois, and of course, Memphis, Tennessee. But we still need coaches, so if you're interested in becoming a professional coach, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com, check out the coaching tab, and get linked up with the Ukrainian freight train in a capel, and she'll give you the rundown on what's the what. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, Starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. Doesn't matter what day it is. I'm, I'm tired of telling you. I've, I've done this every time, and no one seems to understand. So figure it out. All right? Well, you guys look cute in your headphones today. Thanks. Uh, Rusty looks just like Joe Rogan. I always wear these Except headphones. Except he's got hair. I have to. Always wear the headphones. Since we're like recording audio and shit. Since I'm recording audio, I have to I, wear I headphones. Don't, I don't care about headphones. You guys record the audio. I'm just making it. I just generate the audio. If there's something wrong with it, you tell me and I'll fix it. <laughs> That's that? a lie. How's that? <laughs> something wrong with the microphone placement? Yeah. You say, hey, a little closer. To the right, left, whatever. Look, this is what happens. And out, you know. Rip, get the microphone closer. <laughs> is that better? What do you think here? <laughs> Perfect. Sounds beautiful. Does it sound good? Sounds real good. You know, Rusty's problem is that he isn't just like this whole having to do shit is a problem for him. The requirements. The requirements. <laughs> you know, like, you know. Adjusting audio levels. <laughs> <laughs> so much tedium. So much tedium. Oh, shit. If only the podcast could edit itself. <laughs> well, hey, AI. God damn. You know, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Rusty's going to be replaced by a button. That's right. Of some sort. Oh, God. Then I can finally kill myself. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Starting Strength Network's the only yeah. thing holding him here. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing holding him 
alive, <laughs> keeping him knitted to his body. <laughs> because God knows. It's, otherwise, it's just not worth the trouble. <laughs> right? Okay. Ow. See this dog shit here? It's coming, coming. From, from the heaters. Well, this week particularly bad I've picked out a few we got several on here I'm not going to read because they don't even rise to the level of comments from the haters these people are slow effort these people are low effort stuff you know I, I think what's going on here is that people from Iowa Park are making <laughs> most of these <laughs> comments from the haters you know they all inhaled a bunch of smoke last weekend too from good the fire from the grass fires it's good for them i will i came in I, I come into the studio here all the way down 367 uh some of which goes through the southern part of iowa park so you've got iowa parkians on the road and sure enough happens every time some dumbass pulls out in front of me I'm minding my own business going 85 miles an hour down goddamn 367. Which is a 60-mile-per-hour road. No, it's a 55-mile-an-hour. 55. And, I, and, I, and some dumbass <laughs> pulls out in front of me. Just so i got to right. stomp on the fucking brakes. And then some guy pulls out in front of him. So now I've got two guys to pass. Idiots. Idiots. Fools. Complete fucking idiots. Why you, I, you know what? I will park. I'll tell you about that I will park. The I problem park. is you keep going that it's way, a, though. You can, a, you can easily circumvent. There is no... What if you get on faster way to get to the warehouse and i'm late so i have ah. to come down 367 right what if right. you leave so, five minutes earlier i couldn't leave it's not an option oh, okay not an option we got off the phone call i gotta take another shit <laughs> and i take my vitamins you know my sups <laughs> <laughs> you know, brush my teeth. You forgot to take your apron Put off. Put my you pants were in such a on. Hurry. <laughs> oh yeah, I was cooking. See, I had to, yeah, had to finish cooking. So it was just not an option. Take the roast out of the oven. Did you please put the apron on? <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe I took the. Maybe I pooped before I put the apron on. <laughs> That has to be what I did. <laughs> that might be the funniest thing Bree has ever said. <laughs> yeah, it's like the fourth really thing she's ever said. She's <laughs> beginning to surprise us occasionally, isn't she? So she's so, no. I'm tell <laughs> Iowa Park. Here's Iowa Park. All right, these people are at least one standard deviation below average intelligence in Iowa Park, and that's the whole damn bunch of them, right? All so here's 6, here's a conversation with somebody from Iowa Park, right? Uh, what is two plus two? I'm, gonna I'm asking punch them, you. what is two plus two? I will said, park I'm going to punch says, you in the face. I will park guy says it's five. <laughs> and you say, no, no, it's four. And he says, well, let's fight. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I was wondering when he's going to punch you. Yeah, that's what, he, that's yeah. what he, you know. Yep. Let's fight. They like to fight over there. Yeah. And uh, just a strange place. So, anyway... <laughs> Iowa Parkians. They also pull some of them have figured out how to use the internet, <laughs> and here they are. Okay, 
Rick Lansden says, I super appreciate you charging for your new content. Mm. Do you think he's being that Rick is being sarcastic? Yeah. Maybe. How did he learn how to do that? Iowa Park Public Schools. They don't teach sarcasm oh, in Iowa okay. Park Public Schools. Sarcasm is a three digit is a three syllable word. He's right. It's just got it. Big word. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and here's some young Archimedes saying this isn't the place to go for conditioning or endurance training information. No. And there is likewise no instruction on how to play canasta here. This is not the brain surgery channel. <laughs> we don't give tax preparation advice. No. This young Archimedes here has figured this out. All right, and here is, uh, as usual, the trap bar video continues to return dividends. Aldo Parenti says, I don't care how he pronounces his name, says, Another reason why dislike counts are important. Really he didn't like it. Yeah. He could have just wrote dislike like I do on all the White House videos. He could have just, <laughs> videos. He could have just turned it off. But no, it's too compelling, yeah. see? That's why we made that. Because we knew the reaction. Right, right. To that video was going to be overwhelmingly negative. Because the vast majority of the people in the world, especially those who comment on YouTube videos, are fucking morons. Thanks for the view, though, Albert. Thanks for the view, Al. Al added to the view count. That's right. Although he also added to the dislike count. <laughs> Works for us. Works for us. I think either way. Works for us. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Jonathan D. says... This is with respect to, uh, let's see, what does it say? Starting straight network previews, it's not exciting. Was that some clip you put up? Which clip was that? Um, yeah, I put it up. I think it's talking it's about. It's not exciting. Yeah, I think it was about um, well, how training our way isn't the most exciting thing in the world. Well, I don't remember it, but I've, it's not necessary that I do yeah. because I've forgotten most. Because it's not that things. exciting. It's not that exciting. Yeah. Uh, so Jonathan D says, SS crew got bored with their own program, LOL, and changed to a political podcast, Ha Ha. He's not wrong. <laughs> it's not exciting. <laughs> maybe he's above, maybe he's the 4%. Yeah. Okay. All right, now, here's a insightful comment from someone regarding the uh, recent podcast about the labor market, which we kind of incorrectly titled The Labor Market with Ray Gillenwater. We talked about all kinds of things besides the labor market, but that, you know, I don't know, it was an informative, insightful look into the uh, current situation. And uh, Consumer Extraordinaire says, Breaking! 
tattooed, misspelled, Jim Bro with shaved head emerges as authority on historical and epistemological role of race studies in advanced stage Western civilization. Wow. That's good. That's a good comment. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. I didn't realize that's what our Jewish friend Ray was doing. Wasn't he like really high up in a couple companies? That's irrelevant. That yeah. doesn't make any difference. He's, he's a tattoo got tattoos bro. and he shaved his head. Right. Now he's just a gym bro. Yeah. So all that previous shit. Yep. Doesn't matter. <laughs> tattoo gym bro. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's all he'll ever be. And finally, Stan, somebody says, Rip needs to be an option for a voice on voice on ways. <laughs> How hilarious would that be? <laughs> Do you understand that at all? He's talking about the, the, the map app on your phone, Waze. Yeah. You miss a turn, it's like, God damn it, turn around, you idiot. <laughs> Man, there's a market there. West and East, not left and right. I would get lost. Right. <laughs> Goddamn, Waze. You, you realize that you don't want to use Waze, right? Yeah, you don't want to use Waze. Waze feeds right back to, you know, the NSA or whoever. Yeah. You know, don't don't use Waze. That's stupid. But Stan, of course. Stan hey, here thinks you turn it that's Rip's just voice, right. I mean, he says you should not be using this. Right. Buy it. Buy an atlas. <laughs> yeah. I would, I Plain would, old. And then he reads you the directions. Old school <laughs> GPS map. <laughs> I'd like to have your voice on my Siri. That'd be funny. That'd be great. Right. And that's comments from. The heaters. Okay. Now what? What are we going to talk about today? Well, I thought we'd talk about some uh, common things that we see. At the seminar, we just had a seminar this past weekend. And it... It is amazing to me that every time we have a seminar, we see the same mistakes over and over and over, despite the fact that we have made video after video and article after article and changed the books and put pictures in the book and illustrated all of this shit. And nonetheless, people show up who have paid almost a thousand dollars to be at the seminar and show us exactly the same problems with their with their version of our technique every single time right and uh i, I just think it's it's interesting that uh the same things happen over and over and over now let me preface this by saying that just because the general public comes in and and wants to have their back angle 
too vertical to properly execute the hip drive version of the squat that we teach. That doesn't mean that the hip drive version that we teach of the squat is wrong. No, that doesn't mean that it's wrong. It means that it's unfamiliar to most people. And by far, this is the biggest source of correction that we have to do in the squat. It's virtually 80% of the people that show up at the seminar are going to try to front squat their squats. And in the power clean, for example, arm pulls are, you know, not as universal as the back angle because if a person is, comes to the, the seminar and has been doing power cleans, they've encountered some instruction. They've looked more carefully at things, and, and they at least are, most of them are conscious of the arm pull thing. And in, in fact, I've been meaning to say something about this. I think we're getting better at teaching straight arms because there was only two people in this seminar this past weekend that had an arm pull that I had to correct. Yep. Two out of 30, <clears throat> which is good. That's the best it's ever been. Yep. I think we're getting better at teaching straight arms and the pull. Right. And, you know, the physics of that is quite obvious. You know, the boys out in California want to call it a hip clean when they just don't know how to coach the coach a straight elbow and a pull. But if, you know, if it's okay to have a power leak, then it just absolves the coaching staff of one more pesky thing to have to address. Sure. You know, but, you know, an arm pull is a is a demonstrably ineffective way to transmit force from your back down to the bar. Yep. And we have to correct that over and over again. Uh, what else do we see all the time? Those are the big ones. Um, Those are the big, the big two presses, are sometimes difficult for people to understand our little hip movement thing that we introduce into the press. Right. That makes it more efficient in terms of lifting heavier weight without having to resort to a push press. Right. Um, bench press. There's not a lot of problems on a bench press. Nope. The deadlift. Everybody pretty much. This is another. This is probably another, probably the second most important thing we see is people trying to deadlift with their hips in a position that is too low because of the, you know, it's it's not particularly apparent what the the mechanical model of pulling a barbell off the floor is. You got enough big guys deadlifting over 800 pounds yell at you just pick it up off the floor can you hear that just pick it up off the floor well it's not no i'm sorry it's it's not uh you know it's not the deadlift is not uh, amenable to macho man randy savage coaching you to just pick it up off the floor There's a little more to it than that and we study it and we demonstrate to everybody in the video presentation on Saturday afternoon that there's more to it than that. And once you just look at it for more than about three minutes, you know, you see that there's more to it than that. And there's a, 
an efficient way to pick it up off the floor, and then there's then there is an inefficient way to pick it up off the floor. The confounding variable here is is that very very strong guys can do it wrong, and still lift very heavy weights, and people misunderstand the fact that strong guys can do it wrong for the fact that the the wrong way is still wrong right right this is uh this is uh it's unfortunate that things are this complicated but i don't i don't see the deadlift as a similar problem as a similar pl- problem to what you have on the clean and the and the squat and i think the reason we don't see nearly as many problems on the bench the press and the deadlift is because the average person walking into the to gym doesn't have a conflicting uh, ingrained movement pattern. There's no frame of reference. So they're learning a new thing, and it's a new thing, right? So the thing we always talk about where it's easier to teach somebody who has no experience than somebody who has lots of experience, and that applies to everything, whether it's right. lifting, uh, a sport, shooting, fighting, right. anything that involves movement. If you've got an ingrained movement pattern, <clears throat> it's always easier to – it's always more difficult to work against an ingrained movement pattern than to teach a new one. Well, so, and where did these ingrained movement patterns come from? Well, I'll tell you where most of them came from is is bad instruction I think that you came, may have picked up somewhere else. I think it right? came from normal life. I think well, it could just, be that it came from normal life, but back in the early CrossFit days, I remember – a very popular thing on their website over there about how to do a squat. Yep. And what they did was they would take like a year and a half old baby, little baby. I've, yeah, I've seen the picture. And he'd squat down and he'd stand back up and his back goes like that. Right. Right. And they say, see, it's perfectly natural. Just do it this way. It's like a 18 a, a month old baby can squat down and stand back up. Right, without at any point understanding the fact that anthropometry has a bearing on every one of these pieces of technique, a eighteen-month-old baby has a completely different set of proportions yep. than an adult. A eighteen-month-old baby has got a giant long torso and little bitty short legs because the goddamn legs have not grown yet. So of course he's going to be more upright. And if you don't understand that little piece of anthropometry and how it affects squat mechanics, then you haven't read the book because it's all in the book. Yeah, but it's easy enough to understand. But something that's compelling like that. You hear it, and you think, well, there's the answer, you know, and you and it becomes embedded in you because it seems reasonable, even though it's not. Sometimes the things that seem reasonable and simple are wrong. I, I, I think, think I think there's a big part of the lizard brain, too. When you got a weight on your back, you don't want to bend over with it. Your lizard brain's telling you there's weight on my back. Why am I bending over with this? But we want them to. Because it gets your back stronger. And right. It's more well, you're you're making the argument that a picture of a of a infant or a toddler <clears throat> doing a squat is is more compelling than someone reading your squat chapter and agreeing with you because it's right. it's, it's not it's not more compelling because they're paying a thousand dollars and they really want to. It's do, not compelling to <clears throat> them, but I'm just telling you they walked into the building with this construction. Yeah, but it's not yeah in their head. But again, it, it, if someone's had no exposure to a personal trainer or CrossFit or anything else, 
which is the majority of the people that uh, at this point in our in our situation we're probably dealing with. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't account for those people. But what does account for those people is the fact that they have literally accumulated millions of repetitions of standing up from a flexed hips and knees position to upright getting up by, out of the chair by lifting their chest this right. is the ingrained movement pattern well that's 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 a good point <clears throat> and I mean, the heavier it is the lift, more... standing up out of a chair and lifting a load with your hips are two completely different movement patterns. exactly exactly so now you've got to learn to squat using your hips and every molecule in your body wants to just get upright because that is right. the task that's because that's how you've done it eight million exactly. times in the past exactly so it's, that's a valid that's a valid point i think that you've got a uh uh the human tendency to try to make everything familiar try to make new movements feel like movements that are already embedded because it's easier even to do if it you like really that. want to do it correctly you're still fighting against that right. movement pattern and it and it shows when you're it, when you're it, it show it and again this this explains a lot of stuff because it shows it, it shows up again when you're fatigued and it shows up again when you've got that first heavy weight on your back right and you're and and all that shit comes back right so and it, and another <clears> time <throat> it shows up and this is terribly important for coaches to understand is if you you could teach somebody how to do the correct hip drive movement pattern with a more horizontal back angle and you can teach that to them without the bar like our first part of the teaching progression does and then you put an empty bar on their back and what do they do they go back exactly vertical. exactly right and then you fix that and then you go to 95 pounds on the bar and what do they do exactly they go they always revert to the familiar right right so this has to be coached that's right. The, right. This has to be coached because every time the load goes up, that variable change will make you revert to what you already are comfortable doing. Right. Right. And goddamn, it happens. It certainly applies to me. I've hurt my knees like that sure. before. Sure. And if it's not you know? coached, it requires very careful attention to what you're doing. If you know? if you're interested in actually doing the thing as efficiently as possible, I can, right? You know, I've put the bar on my back before. I, you know, did three fifteen correctly because I'm thinking, you know, bend over, bend over, bend over, nipples to the floor, whatever cue we want to use. Right. And then I get three forty five on the bar to try to do a triple with it, and I and my brain stops referring to the previous cues mm -hmm. and goes to the oh shit mode this is heavy right yeah and i've hurt my knee my left knee like that yep. before so you add uh, you add you add also the you, fact that that you yourself yourself <clears throat> without without some objective analysis whether from a coach or from analyzing your own videos you also have no idea what you're doing under the bar. Like you, you, and again, your clients. When you're yelling at your clients to bend over, they think that they're bending over, right? So that's why I yell at my kids all the time. What you're feeling under the bar isn't what's happening, right? <clears throat> you have to show them exactly. And this is what is wrong with being reluctant to touch exactly your trainees. Right. Mm -hmm. This is we. I've written an article about tactile cueing. Yeah, sometimes you, you know, have to physically move You the have person. to place them into the position you want them in because you can't talk them into getting there. Right. Or move them through the movement right. uh, pattern too. Right. But that all that look that that analysis also explains the arm pull and the clean because when it, when in your life have you it, until you approach uh, the instance where you're learning how to power clean, when have you ever 
brought a load to your shoulders without, without using bending your elbows. your elbows. Right. Without using your elbows. Right? No, that's absolutely true. <clears throat> absolutely true. So it's so that approach has refined the way I, I teach and coach these lifts because I'm looking at it as I've got to accumulate more correct reps and incorrect reps. Right. So you're I'm, I'm more careful about how I approach. Uh, the steps in the teaching method. Oh yeah, and and the the timing of the teaching method. Because remember, like people always used to say, when we go from teaching the the jump with straight arms to the to the rack, you say jump and rack, and then people will also jump and rack, and they'll demonstrate an elbow bend with their hands. Yes, I I, I think that if you're showing somebody that has the potential for an arm pull, you're showing them those things. You're you're reinforcing that movement pattern subconsciously even yeah. right you're, you're reinforcing it so. yeah and and since you're going to revert to what's already familiar and what is familiar is bending your elbows to raise the load right if you do not practice must constitute more reps correctly than incorrectly by a by a, by a big large marsh ratio by yeah. a great big huge ass margin right you can't do four reps wrong and then do the last rep correctly and say that you fixed a problem that doesn't happen right yep it can't be done because of the nature of an embedded motor pathway motor pathways get embedded through repetition right and you know people people have made this comment about expertise you know ten thousand repetitions yeah. Produce, I don't know if it's 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours, whatever yeah. the fucking number is. Right. You know, that's all bullshit. But the idea is valid. Yes. You have to do something more times correctly by, by order of magnitude than incorrectly before that movement pattern is corrected. Right. Yeah. And the role of the coach, this is the role of the coach is to make sure the trainee is doing it correctly more far more frequently than not in other words if you've got a guy that you're trying to show how to squat and he takes the bar out of the rack and you've already been through this more horizontal back angle thing with him you know the previous three sets he comes out of the rack it's a new weight on his back you went up 50 pounds and the first rep he shows you is back to the vertical back angle. And you're trying to correct, correct that thing to what is to him an unfamiliar, unnatural feeling position, but which is mechanically correct. Right? Now think about that. It feels wrong to him. But our analysis and our experience for decades has shown that the thing that feels wrong is mechanically correct he takes it out of the rack and he does it wrong on the first rep and you cue it bend over bend over remember the last set bend over and he does the second rep and he does it incorrectly again what should you do well if it was my trainee i'd have him rack it sure yep i'd have him rack the bar i wouldn't let him accumulate 60% of a set of five done incorrectly. Right. I'd have him rack it. I'd have him rack it. Then I'd go back over this whole thing again. That's right. And I'd put him into position. I would take his hips here and I'd take his upper back here and I would shove him into the position that I wanted to be in with a more horizontal back angle. And then I would say, show me 
an air squat done with this in this position. And I'd make him do it again, and he'd do it again correctly. And I said, now, I need a set of five correct. And he takes it back out of the rack. And the chances are going to be that the first rep is going to be more correct because now he's thinking about it. He's, you know what he's thinking about? He's thinking about my hand on his upper back and my hand on his hips that have shoved him into that position. That tactile cue has reinforced the mechanical position I want him to occupy. And I would, you know, in the event that he shows me that that same vertical back angle, that same incorrect position, the one that feels familiar to him, but that is demonstrably mechanically wrong for the movement model we are trying to teach, the one he's paying us to teach him, right? I'd have him rack it. Yeah, because I'd have him rack it again. If, I said, "Look, if you, you're not getting a response, I'm not getting the I'm not getting what I need out if, of you. Apparently. If you're not getting a response towards towards more more what what the what you want as a coach, then they're either ignoring you, which is a problem. They don't understand what you want, or they think they're doing the thing that you're asking for. Right. right? So you as as the coach, you get you get probably reasonably two chances to get the lifter to respond, and if not. Rack, they got to rack the bar, and you got to figure out what's going on. Which right. which of those things is it? And more than likely, it's just that they don't understand what what it is that you want. Right. So you go back to to reteaching right. and using this this tactile stuff. Right. And you go back into teaching. <clears throat> now you're not cueing anymore. Right. You're teaching again. Yep. Right. Absolutely right. Now let's. That, everybody does understand the difference between teaching and cueing. Those of you, the guys that are trying to be coaches, you have to understand the difference between teaching and cueing. Teaching happens while you're standing there talking to the guy without a bar on his back, without him doing any moving. All right? Teaching is explaining what you want. Teaching is making a case for the logic for what you're trying to get him to do. Teaching is, it starts with a procedure that has proven to work for the vast majority of people. And if that is not working for this individual client, then it is up to you as a coach to intelligently interpret what he is doing wrong as whatever misunderstanding he may have here about what you're trying to get him to do. You have to analyze that. And then you have to come up with a better explanation than what you have done before because if what you have told him is not working then your teaching must be modified right and an experienced coach has a whole toolkit of things that can become alternate teaching progression for these for these things we have one that works 90 percent of the time okay and that's what we're teaching in the seminar but it only works 90% of the time, and 10% is a significant percentage of your client base. So you've got to learn how to do this. You've got to learn how to explain things differently if the preferred explanation, the one that usually works, is not penetrating. Yep. And that's just what you do while you're standing there. Not everybody can do this. Right. Not everybody's right. capable of, of synthesizing a new explanation. Yep. But that's what teaching involves. Right. And then you put him back under the bar. Now we're cueing. 
Now we're cueing. We're reminding him while he's doing the movement pattern of what the teaching method wants, what the teaching method was designed to produce. We're, we're doing that in real time as he's moving. That's cueing. Cueing and teaching are two different things. Yep. They're both they're separate skills. Okay? There are people who can teach but can't cue. There are some people who can cue but can't really explain in detail what would fix the thing that they are seeing wrong. They're cueing. They're given the correct cue, but in the absence of an understanding in the client that is that is generated by correct teaching, the cue is not going to work. They're two separate things. They're two completely They're separate different skills things. that a that a, separate that, a, that a good coach integrates. Both, yeah. yes. It's yes. the it's the whole thing: understanding the the model and then uh, and then being able to integrate it with your communication and your. Uh, and your evaluation of what's going on. So, for example, you you can you can get a, a person who has a lot of experience teaching teaching and, and working on movement, a personal trainer, uh, a martial arts coach or instructor, a tennis coach, whatever you know, somebody who's got a lot of experience looking at people move and making adjustments, whether they're right or wrong, right? So, mm-hmm. so that person arguably could could cue can cue fine, right? They can cue, they can instruct fine, uh, but the uh, but. But the integration of that with the with the proper model and a method uh, is is the difference. Is the the person that that makes it actually well good, well rounded coach, you know. And that's one of the things that that is the thing that we're looking for when we're evaluating, <clears throat> you know, because you you can get a personal trainer right. in that that can that can teach and cue their thing just fine, uh, but of those skills. The evaluation and communication side of it is the thing that takes the the most work and effort and the most skill to get, you know. And, and the way I would say this is the the everybody a, a large majority of the people out there who are on our starting strength forum, who are reading our books and watching our videos, they can teach these lifts. The teaching method is is not hard. You can teaching teach, methods. Been, you can teach the lift to to people right. and, and be just fine. Uh, you could hand the teaching method to a to your average personal trainer who's worth a, even a little bit of a shit, and and they can teach these squats. That doesn't mean that they can coach them though. No, that doesn't mean that they. Ninety percent of the time, the teaching method suffices exactly to produce the right movement pattern. But we're not concerned with that. Right. We're concerned with you being able to solve to preserve the, the movement pattern in the in the other ten percent right. that aren't going to get it. We're concerned with you being fast enough on your feet. And. And quick enough with your eyeballs and ears and brain to modify that teaching when it's necessary. Right, right. And it's necessary all the time. Yep. You know. Yep. It, it happens <clears throat> at every seminar. We, we've got otherwise intelligent people who are just not able to process some aspect of this perfectly good teaching method that works 90% of the time. So what are we going to do with them? Kill them? Put them to sleep? Refund them? Send them refund their money? Send them on their way? No, no, we don't have no, that option. Coach that's coaching people who move well and and respond to what you say is is does not make a good coach. No, not, no, 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 no. You know, that's that, like uh, this is the D one coach. Well, exactly. Problem. Back to the D one coach yeah. problem here, aren't we? You don't learn you anything it. from from athletic freaks. Right. 
because they don't require coaching. Yep. All they require is being able to see the movement pattern being done correctly, and they copy it. That's right. That's what a natural athlete does. Right. And if all you ever deal with are athletic freaks, natural athletes, D1 athletes, pro athletes, you're, you don't know what the hell you're doing as a coach. Well, even, even the Those guys who are, don't present the problem. Even the guys who exclusively, exclusively work with teenagers and high school athletes, they're not, they, they never get to, to be a proficient coach until they actually start dealing with old ladies and old men right. and beat up people and people that can't move well, people that, you know, you tell them move your right hand and they wiggle their left toe. You know, that that's who right. that's that's who uh, makes you a good coach, right? right? That kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. So the you know, and taking this uh t- taking this view of things, so you know, again, that's that's why the, the I think the deadlift, you, you don't nobody nobody really has a frame of reference. You have a bar in front of you you're getting set up in this weird position and then you have to stand up the standing up part is i guess the easy part outside yeah. of the load right right but the 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 positioning is the unfamiliar and getting ready thing to there. stand up right is right. the part that everybody does wrong yep the, it's know? a positioning thing and it's very uncomfortable um so and again that's why that's why the deadlift is generally easier to coach because you don't have these actual movement problems to deal with with people if you can get them set up properly you're there. You get it set up properly. All you got to do is just, you know, push the ground right. away from you, and, the, and you stand up with a bar. Right. But it's not, you know, the 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 start position of the deadlift is. Uh, I, I, if 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 you have ever picked up something heavy off the floor in your garage, that's the way you've done it. You know, that's what's happened. Right. That's what's happened. You have gotten as close to you can get, as close as you can get to placing the center of mass of the object at the center of your feet. You can't pick up something heavy if it's over there. Doesn't work. You know it doesn't work, and you've never done it that way. And that's, that, that's the thing about it, us teaching the deadlift with those five steps. You, you, you correct them as they go whenever they're fucked up. Right. So you never get past a step without it being fixed. Right. And then when all, all that's together, it's it, – just comes off the floor and then what does everybody do on set number three same thing they did in the squat they They revert to to what is more comfortable which means that they're going to drop their ass Mm -hmm. because when the ass is up hips are high hamstrings are tight in a position that supports the moment arm that you're lifting against it's uncomfortable because your hamstrings are tight you don't like your hamstrings tight, so you drop your ass to take the load off of them. The only problem is if the weight's heavy enough, the bar's not going to come off of the ground until your hips rise up to the place that the mechanical system can pull the thing off the ground, which is the same place we're trying to start you. And you have to learn that. Now, the deadlift is infinitely easier to coach than the squat. It's self-limiting, right? Because it's self-limiting. You have taken away one of the degrees of freedom that is present in the squat and is not present in the deadlift. The bar is in front of your shins in the deadlift. If it's going to come off of the ground and it's heavy enough, it's going to be over the middle of your foot. You, you, this is not an, an argument at this point. This is like gravity. This is the way the mechanical system has to work. So... The bar and your shins, when the bar comes off the ground, are going to assume a configuration that is 
not voluntary by you. The squat, on the other hand, can be done any way you want to do it. You can front squat it. You can high bar squat it. You can squat it. You can put your knees anywhere they want to be. Now, they're mechanically, they're more efficient with your knees in the position that we coach. But it can be done wrong. The deadlift, on the other hand, cannot. If the weight is heavy on a deadlift, the bar will be in a position relative to your foot and relative to your shin angle that is the same every time. So you've removed a degree of freedom from the deadlift that is present in the squat, and as a result, the squat's more complicated to coach and the deadlift is less complicated to coach. Okay. Uh, I think that what we find in, in, the, in teaching all these people, and these committed people who've paid money to be there, is that it doesn't matter how committed the client you're working with is. There are going to have to be problems that you as a coach – are able to resolve quickly, efficiently, in a timely manner so that you don't waste the client's time, you don't waste your time, and everything proceeds efficiently through the workout. And this is this is true of all of the lifts. Some of them are easier to coach than others. The bench press doesn't present a terribly critical coaching problem for most people. Right. You know. You've just got a few things to keep in mind. The 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 grip must be uh, positioned in a way that the forearms are vertical at the bottom of the of the movement pattern, where the bar is touching your chest. Then you've got to return it to a position, the same position it started from. All right, your eyes direct that in a way that is much more efficient than in the other lifts. Because the movement of the bar is visible in your sight picture. Uh, bench is probably the easiest of the five lifts to coach. Because of the, the position of the bar with respect to your eyeballs. Okay. Gaze, eye gaze direction is terribly critical in the other four lifts. But it, it produces a completely different res uh, effect on the bar path. Because you don't see the bar when you press. You don't see the bar when you squat, deadlift, power clean. You see the bar in your side picture when you're bench pressing. And it's a, it's a tremendous help in terms of doing the thing correctly. So we don't typically see, you know, catastrophic failure on the bench press. You know, it's much easier to coach. That's why, that's why we do it last on Saturday. Right, because it's just it's easy enough to where it doesn't. You're tired, you're hungry, you're pissed off at one of the staff. And <laughs> I have annoyed your ass, and it's time to. The majority of know, the concern on the bench press is you don't kill somebody or get yourself killed. Right, right. you don't <laughs> drop it on your don't teeth on or yourself. you know, yeah, yep. or you as a spotter don't you know, yep, cause somebody to tear a shoulder labrum or something like that. Right, right, right. Well, and look, and under this under this kind of uh, line of thinking here, if we're if we're talking about movement patterns, this is the this is the problem. And now, um, it, it, it's appropriate to talk about bad coaching, personal trainers, CrossFit, right? Shitty lifting coaches, right? Because right. Uh, the more exposure you have to bad coaching, the more difficult it's going to be to make things more efficient. And that look, that might not matter, right? That might not matter to you, but 
uh, our argument is always that efficiency equals safety, right? And and our fans will, yeah. will a lot of times throw out the idea, and I, and new coaches will throw out the idea that, well, the way we do it is is uh, is is safer, safer for your joints, um, or do it this way, or else you will get hurt. Look, man, you're gonna get hurt doing everything, anytime. That's not the primary consideration. No human being ever got out of this deal without being right. hurt. Efficiency is the primary consideration because yes. efficiency means weight on the bar. Weight on the bar means getting stronger. And a secondary effect is that efficiency is also tends to be safer, right? Because right. you beat up your your knees less. Right. Uh, you're handling the load with structures that can handle right. the load. Because efficiency is derived from an analysis of the biomechanics of the musculoskeletal system using these movement patterns and efficiency means confirmation to the most anatomically friendly way of doing this because anatomic friendliness yields heavier weight moved right that's right and that matters to us uh, mortals right normal yes. people every every five pounds on the bar matters it matters. So it, when you're when you're, you're you're you've spent three months getting your squat to 275, getting to 280 fucking matters. Right? Yeah. If you're squatting 585, another five pounds on the bar while it's cool, it's not that big of a difference, right? But you know, or, or you're a, you're a, a little old lady, that extra three pounds on your deadlift fucking matters. Matters a whole. It matters lot. a whole bunch. Whole bunch. So you've got to move as efficiently as possible to make that happen because it's it's determining whether or not you're actually getting a, a positive ongoing effect from this program. Right, right. right. It, it determines it determines how uh, you may decide in the future to continue spending your money. And if you're a coach or you're a professional coach, that's very important. You have to be able to show these people that are paying you to get them stronger that they are in fact getting stronger. Right. They're getting stronger. Now, if you're doing it correctly, they're also not going to be hurt. Yep. In fact, one of the one of the primary uh, features of the starting strength program for a, a middle aged guy that comes in the gym that's had chronic back pain for six or seven years is that three weeks later, these guys, almost every single one of them, tell us my back doesn't hurt anymore. Right. We've heard that so many times we can't even tell you how many times we've heard yep. this. Guy walks in with creaky knees, creaky back. He hasn't been training. We show him how to squat, pull correctly. Three weeks later, he he shows up. It's like it dawns on him. Right. He shows up at the gym. You know, I, I, I've been my back's been hurting for six years, and over the past three weeks, it's gone away. Yep. I can't believe it. Or you'll get a lot of, you know, uh, I've never, uh, or guys that have squatted before, trained before, they're like, I've never squatted without my knees hurting. You know, uh, first time you teach them to get out of their knees, and uh, they're yeah. able to do a squat or, or a press or, or even a bench. I've had guys right. tell me, you know, every time I bench, my shoulder hurts. Well, let's try it, see what happens. Get them set up, teach them how to arch and stuff. And it's like, oh shit, my shoulder didn't shoulder hurt. Shoulder doesn't time. hurt. Yep. But again, the, it, if the efficient way is the way that creates less problems. Right. Right. And uh, efficiency uh, produces safety. Right. 
All right. right. But it also produces, more importantly, it produces the strength training result that these people are paying us to give them. So, you know, uh, back to our original topic. Why is it that we have to teach these same things over and over again to people? The reason is there are ways that people have learned how to move in this society. There are ways they've learned how to move. We have chairs in this society. We sit in chairs. We get up out of chairs. And the way we get up out of chairs is not the same way you get up out of the bottom of a squat with 315 on your back. They're two different movement patterns. But you're far more familiar with the easy one, the one that got you out of the chair. So that's the one you're going you're gonna to favor. And that's, that's perfectly normal. But the job of a coach is to deprogram that in the context of barbell training. And you have to know how to do that. You have to know why your trainee is going to show you the wrong technique. You have to know how to alter that movement pattern, and you have to know how to embed the new movement pattern so that you you are far less likely to have have form errors, technique errors from your trainees. And if you don't appreciate the, the fact that everybody that comes in the gym is going to show you a vertical back angle squat and you don't understand why they're going to show that to you, then you're going to be less efficient at fixing it. Right. You know, if you don't understand why everybody's going to try to pick the barbell up off the ground with their ass too low, you know, you're going to have more trouble fixing it than if you just go ahead and embrace the idea that you're going to have to teach this person to get in a position that is uncomfortable before they pull the bar off the floor. And understand why you're going to have to teach them that way. Yep. And these things are, are, are terribly common. These things are what you are going to run into if you are a professional barbell coach every time you deal with a trainee. Right. And these things are, if you don't have a way, a plan to, to deal with these problems, then you're making your own job more difficult and you're wasting your client's time and money. Right. Yeah. If there's a foundational concept or a first principle for coaching movement, it's uh, it's the movement pattern deal. People are going to have whatever movement pattern issues they've accumulated through their life for whatever given thing you're teaching. And your job in the, as a coach is to recognize that and, uh, and de- like you said, deprogram it and reprogram your deal, right? Reprogram right. the thing that you want to teach right. them. It, it might be very, very useful for you guys to start doing it like this, okay? The first day you, you coach a squat, new person comes in the gym, you've never seen them before, this is an average new client, 45-year-old guy that's never lifted weights before, you're going to show him how to squat. It might be the, the most effective way for you to do this might be to right up front tell him, now look, I'm going to tell you what you're going to want to try to do here. You're going to want to try to keep your back angle more vertical than I'm going to want it to be. And here's why you're going to do that. Right. 
because of millions of repetitions of getting up out of the chair. All right. This is a different movement pattern completely because getting up out of the chair, you're not lifting a load. Right. You're going to have a load on your back, and the only effective way to lift a load that is on your back is to emphasize the movement of your hips. So I'm going to tell you right now what you're going to do wrong, and this is what it's going to look like, and you go through that. Yep. And, and then you tell them our job today is to get you to move the barbell on your back using your hips instead of lifting the chest or thinking about your knees. Right. Yeah. And just right up front, just be honest with the guy because now you've got his attention. And there's value in, in, in intellectually connecting that yes. too. Because now, it's, not it's, a 14-year-old kid, is I wouldn't take that approach with a 14-year-old sure. kid. It speeds up the process, though, right. for sure. If 14-year-old kid, just do what I'm telling you to right. do. Because they're not capable of understanding that anyway. But a, an adult trainee, somebody can actually afford to pay your fee, your exorbitant coaching fees, are going to respond better to your intellectual appeal. You're going to tell them right up front what they're going to do right. wrong. They're going to be impressed because you know that. Yep. Right? When you... You, you you go through the, the process of coaching them in the squat. Then you're going to tell them, uh, then we're going to press after we do this. This is what you're going to do wrong in the press. And, this, and, and here's why you're going to do it wrong. And this is the way we're going to fix it. So I want you to pay careful attention to what I'm telling you to do because I'm going to undo a movement pattern that's already in there that you don't even know is in there. But I'm gonna, the, the things that are weird feeling about this are the very things that you have to learn, okay? And on the deadlift, you're going to try to pick this up from a position where you're comfortable. And I'm telling you, the comfortable position is the wrong mechanical position to pick the thing up off the floor. And then explain the mechanics to them. Most people can understand about wrenches sure. and things like that. And they're going to be impressed with the fact that you have a different approach to this instruction than everybody they've ever been in contact with before. Okay, you you run into these things all the time. You run into common movement pattern imperfections all the time, and where the movement pattern is imperfect for loading, for moving a loaded barbell, it may not be imperfect for getting up out of the chair. Yeah, perfectly adequate movement. Pattern. Perfectly That's adequate true. for getting up out of the chair, but we're not concerned with getting up out of the chair today. We're concerned with moving the barbell up out of the bottom of the squat from below parallel with a heavy weight, and that's a different task. And you have to show the person how to master that task because what they're familiar with does not apply here. Right. And I, yeah, I, I don't know how to explain it any more clearly than that. Yeah. You know, you've got, uh, this is, this is movement coaching. Now, if they were doing it correctly already, they wouldn't need you. Exactly. Would they? Right. But if you've got, uh, if, if you've got any understanding at all of what we are doing under the barbell, then you ought to be able to transmit that understanding, to communicate that understanding to your client. Don't assume he's a dumbass. All right, unless he's 14 because he's a dumbass if he's 14. All right. But you, you need to be able to explain these things to people so that they will believe you because you're believable. Because what you're saying makes sense. 
The worst thing you could possibly do as a coach, whether you are coaching 14-year-old kids or athletes or 55-year-old real estate salesman or his mother, the worst thing you could ever possibly do is to say, when asked about what you're trying to have them do, is to say, because that's the way we do it. If you resort to that, then you, sir, are not a professional coach. You are not of the caliber to be doing this job. All right? That's the way we do it is is pussing out of your job as a teacher, of your job, your, the, the part of coaching that is teaching cannot be satisfied with because that's the way we do it. Right. Or that's the, it's always worked this way for me before because that's the way we do it. It's bullshit. Or that's you the don't way, know what you're talking about. Or that's the way the best in the world do it is the yeah. same. Is the same. The same thing. thing. There's no. There's no difference. It's an appeal to authority, and that doesn't hold water. Right. An appeal to an authority doesn't hold water. An ad hominem explanation, because uh, Piros Demas did it this way. Yep. You know, I, I don't want to. I don't care how Piros Demas did it. Right. I don't even know who Piros Demas is. Why are you telling me this shit? Exactly. You know, can you not? <clears throat> can you not answer my question? Yep. You know. If you can't answer my question, then why in the hell am I paying you all this money? Right. You know. Yep. Either you understand the mechanics or you don't. And either you can explain the mechanics in an understandable way to your client or you don't or you can't. One of the two. Yep. Learn why. Learn to communicate why. And you'll become a much more effective teacher of movement pattern. You got anything else? No. Rusty, you got anything interesting? Nah. You nailed it. <laughs> then what did I expect? You nailed it. <laughs> he he unmuted his mic and it like he was about to say something good and profound. But then and he then, just said, nah. Nah. You nailed it. Bree? All right. Nothing? Bree, anything? Oh. Nope. When did you, what sentence did she say? I don't even remember. Apron, right? about oh, that apron, was about the apron or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Damned handsome apron. That's a handsome apron. It's a it's thick a handsome canvas. Apron. Heavy apron. Heavy apron. What do these things Texas sell for? Texas Cafe Classics logo on the front. 40? 40 bucks. A lot of money. 40 bucks. Cheap. 50, cheap, cheap. Yeah. Cheap. cheap. <laughs> no, it's not $100. It's worth, Nobody buys it's anything worth every penny. Hey, and, it has, and it has pockets, too. Has pockets. You can't see those. You can't see them, but it's got pockets. Because of this table. Like too far away from the microphone, they'll yell at you. Yeah. Yeah. Because yep. then, you know, I don't have headphones on. And Another great feature know. of that is that it's adjustable with that uh, Isn't it that interesting that, ring. That mm-hmm. things would be adjustable. Yeah. So it'll fit you and it'll fit a 90-pound woman. 90-pound woman? You yeah. can buy that starting strength shirt, too. 12-year-old kid. 12-year-old kid. You can buy that starting strength shirt, too, and those colors look great together. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess they would. <laughs> it's pretty Just, good. Just pointing it out. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Hope we helped today with a little bit more of your 
understanding of process and coaching. That was in our lane. This this episode. This in was lane. in our lane. Almost we didn't get out of our thing. lane at all, did we? Yeah, almost the entire thing. We didn't talk. Did we talk about Olympic lifting at all? I don't think we did. Uh, briefly. 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 So we got out of our lane just a just little, little, just a tad bit. Drifted. You drifted. Bit. Drifted. Drifted, but we drifted right drifted back right in. Back. <laughs> Saw the cop. Right back in. Drifted right back in. <laughs> <laughs> See ya.